Our New Testament lesson on this fourth Sunday of Easter comes from the fourth gospel, from John's gospel, the 10th chapter beginning with the 11th verse. Friends, let us listen once again for a word from God. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. Again, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The sermon today is titled, Pointing Toward Home. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, your flock gathers here today pointing many directions. Some here are pointing towards times of great hope towards great excitement, towards new opportunity, towards new love. Others, though, gather pointed more in the direction of anxiety, of worry, of fear, of hurt, of grief. God, no matter what direction it is we are pointing this day, we pray that through the work of your Spirit, you might point us home. Indeed, O God, we pray that we might find our common direction, not only through the words of my mouth, but also through the meditations of all of our hearts gathered here in your sight. For you and you alone, O God, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I suspect that if we were to take a poll of the most recognizable titles for Jesus, the title attributed to Jesus in our passage today would easily crack the top three. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Son of Man. Jesus is the Good Shepherd. This image of the Good Shepherd is one that is so familiar to us all. 
Every time I hear that phrase, good shepherd, my mind jumps to that image that hangs in countless churches and Sunday school rooms. Perhaps you know the one I'm talking about of chiseled white Jesus looks like he's in a CrossFit advertisement, full beard, a lamb strewn across his shoulders. That image is so familiar to so many of us. And I think the risk in letting an image like the Good Shepherd become too familiar is that it numbs our imaginations. But every so often, every so often when you read a familiar story like this one, when you are caught yet again by a familiar image like the Good Shepherd, you notice a new detail for the first time. So in the midst of this list of characteristics of what makes a good shepherd, that a good shepherd sacrifices, that he protects and endures, that he knows the sheep of his fold, I noticed this week for the very first time a new line, a new characteristic that goes along with this image of the good shepherd. There's that line, those few sentences in the middle of our verses today where Jesus says this. He says, I have other sheep who are not of this sheep pen. I love the NIV. Most say of my flock, of my sheep pen is what the NIV translation gives us. Jesus continues, I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. I was sharing with some of you all after church last week that I was about to head out to North Carolina. I spent Monday through Thursday in the place that is sort of like the Mecca for Presbyterians, Montreat, North Carolina, just outside Asheville. I was there for a conference, and each evening of the conference there was a worship service and on Tuesday evening there was a fourth generation Mexican-American pastor from Indiana who was preaching on the topic of widening the circle. The text for his sermon was not this one though it was the story of Ruth from the Hebrew Bible. You might remember that one. It's the story of a woman, Naomi, and her husband, Elimelech, who live in Israel and Canaan. They are Jewish, and a famine settles in, and they migrate. They move to a foreign land. They cross a border to the land of the Moabs, to the area of the Moabites. And there they have two sons, and the sons grow old, and they marry two Moabite women, but Early on in the story, all the men die. Elimelech, the two sons, and suddenly it is Naomi and her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. Now Naomi hears that the famine is over, and so she prepares to head back home. And she urges her young daughters-in-law, you all stay behind. You are from this place. You are Moabites. You're still young. You can... Get new husbands, you can have children, you can have a future, and they both resist initially. Orpah eventually obeys the command, really, of her her mother-in-law, but Ruth refuses to leave Naomi's side. 
And Ruth follows her home, and suddenly the plot is flipped. No longer is it the Jewish woman, Naomi the foreigner. Now it is Ruth who is the foreigner in a foreign land as they settle into life together in Israel. And there's this moment where Ruth goes out gleaning in a relative's field of Naomi and Boaz's field. And Boaz comes out to her and there are a few things that happen. But Boaz essentially says to her, I know you. I will protect you. I will care for you. The preacher was encouraging us to hear that line of Boaz as also being the voice of God, speaking to this foreign woman in a foreign land. I know you. I love you. The sermon was preaching on the expansiveness of God's love. God's love is wide with a little space in between each letter of the word wide. That God's love is wide enough for the widow, for the refugee, for the foreigner, for the immigrant. It occurred to me as I listened to that sermon on Tuesday night that Jesus is really preaching the exact same thing in these verses from John. Yes, Jesus is saying the good shepherd protects and sacrifices and endures and cares for the sheep of his flock. But there's also this other, this easily overlooked characteristic of the good shepherd. Namely, that he is still adding to his fold. That even now there are other unknown sheep that God is bringing in. That the circle of God's love is ever That's an incredible claim. That is a radical thing for Jesus to say here to his disciples who think that they're the ones who are in and everyone else is out. The circle is widening. Now, neither John nor Jesus tell us if and what the limits of that circle are. And there very well may be limits to that circle. But regardless of where its edges begin or end, this single line points to the very heart of what makes the good shepherd good. Namely, that God and God's work is not yet done. I mean, this is the Easter story four weeks after Easter. You all get tired of me saying it, but we're in a season of Easter. It's not just one day. You can turn to each other after church today and wish each other happy Easter because Easter isn't a one-time event. It is the beginning of something new, of a story that is still going on today, right? I mean, that is Easter. One day Jesus' body is in the tomb, and the next it is out. It is loose in the world. Jesus is going out to people even to this very day, 2,000 plus years later, and telling them, my work is not yet That same preacher in his sermon 
told a story about his parents who are Mexican, who still live in Monterey. On one of their anniversaries, I think it was the 40th, all the kids pooled their monies and they sent their parents on a European vacation. It was one of these vacations where you get on a bus and you go to all the big cities around Europe and when they were in London, there was a sort of break day for people to do their own thing. And so his parents decided that they would visit a museum that they found on the map. It was only a few stops down on the tube, and they followed their directions, and they made it to the museum, and they had a great day. And towards the end of the afternoon, they went back and got on the train to go back to their hotel, except when the doors opened at what they thought was their stop, they stepped out into this sea of people. Apparently the tube in London's a little different at rush hour than it is at, say, 10 or 11 in the morning. And they sort of froze. There was not a single landmark they recognized. They didn't even know if they had stepped off in the right station. And they tried to beckon people around them to pause and to help them. But they were short, so they couldn't see really very well in this station. And they didn't speak English, which was probably the bigger issue at play. But also the people were busy. They were moving fast. And they either ignored them or wouldn't stop to help. As a sort of last resort, they spotted this one tall person. The tall people in church today can probably relate to this. It was the one head they could really see clearly because it stood out above everyone else. And they went towards that person and they pulled their map out and they said the name of the hotel. They were asking for help and eventually this, this guy got the message and he said, Ah, oh, yeah, follow me. He gestured for them to follow him and he led them down some steps and around a few corners. And eventually they found themselves following this man alone in this long, empty corridor. The preacher's mother started to get a little nervous at this point. And she pulled on her husband's sleeve and said quietly in Spanish, you know, I think we should, let's go back. I don't like how this feels. And her husband said, no, 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 I trust him. Sure enough, at the end of this corridor, there was another staircase, and the tall man stopped there, and he pointed towards the light at the top of the staircase, and he kept saying the name of their hotel. He pointed them home. They thanked him profusely, tried to give him money, but they were home. That's the story. That's the story of the good shepherd. God's tenacious goodness. God's seeking out. God's circle. God's not yet done expanding a little further to lead the lost and the lonely, the short and the frightened home. But the thing about this Good Shepherd story, as I listened to it on Tuesday, the thing that struck me most was the vessel through which God worked. A normal person, albeit a bit tall, but a normal person on a normal day going about his normal life, 
the vessel through which God worked, in other words, was someone who looked a lot like us. You see, because our shepherd is good, because God's circle is wide, we are the agents, we are the ones, the vessels called to bear out that truth. In other words, we are called to be good shepherds. People whose imagination around the possibilities for God's love is so wide that in word, in prayer, and in deed, we are constantly pushing out at the edges to include others. I was talking to a friend recently who pastors a church in Virginia, and he was telling me this story about a couple who had joined the congregation not long before. He did what pastors love to do. He met with them. I don't know if it was at church or in a coffee shop or what, but he sat down with them and he asked that question. Why? Why do you want to join our church? What is it about our congregation that helps you feel welcome here? Their answer surprised him because they didn't say, we want to join your church because of the programs or because of the music or the worship, certainly not because of the preaching. They didn't even want to join his church because they looked around and saw people who looked like them or who had similar interests or similar beliefs. Rather, what this couple told my friend is that they wanted to join his church because when they came and met the people and heard the stories, they saw people who they want to become. People who were welcoming, people who were compassionate, sacrificial, caring. They heard, in other words, the shepherd's voice and the voices of that church. People who they were not yet like. People who they wanted to be like, though. People whose love was so wide that it included even them. You see, friends, yes, the good shepherd is a story about God. But it's also a story about us. It is a story about the people God desires us to be and to become. People who sacrifice. People who take others by the hand and lead them with patience and grace and compassion through all the crowds, all the noise, down the long corridors and often lonely places of life and point them towards home. People who are called to proclaim the incredible good news of the Good Shepherd, that God and God's work is not yet done. That just as God is not yet done with that prisoner on death row, God is not done with your child or your grandchild or your friend who is limping through life. That person who you yearn to walk through the doors of a church but has not and will not still for some time. God is not done with those who sow seeds of discord. You know, that's the funny thing about the story of the good shepherd. 
us people, we're sort of weird that we're all here today. It's a different thing in our world today for us to get dressed and come to church and listen to a guy who dresses in a robe from the 16th century speak while we sit quietly. But because we're here, we, we tend to listen to the Good Shepherd story and imagine ourselves as being the ones in the flock and all the dangers loom outside these doors. Friends, if you've ever been in a church in conflict, be it conflict over issues of human sexuality or the color of the carpet, you know that some of the harshest words, some of the deepest wounds are inflicted by those who are right here alongside you. And God is not done with them yet. Just as God is not done with those who wage evil in our world day in and day out, God is not done with those who believe differently or those who do not believe at all. Just as God is not done with our world, God is not done with you or with me. I am the good shepherd, says the Lord. Friends, welcome home. Amen.